thing was a front, right? I planned on making this film and then just having this Toy Story name. But then, like, people started coming and they were like, wow, you know, I only, I've only seen this stuff online. And it's so great to be able to, like, touch it, you know, just see it in person. And then I realized, wait, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the first designer of Toy Story here. I did the messenger in response to my nephew who passed away because of an incident with the police. You know, at, at the time I felt, you know, really powerless. Oh, that was so fun when Kid Robot was down the street and Tag was there. And, you know, at first I was nervous because you know, we were the first ones there on Melrose and then, um, I bumped into Paul and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm moving down the street. I'm like, ah. Oh. Hey, toy family. Welcome to the Marshamp Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm George Gaspar. And George, this almost didn't happen today. So uh, What? <laughs> let me explain. So yesterday, I got a little food poisoning from a chimichanga I ate. So I spent most of last night... Uh, puking my guts out and uh, waking <laughs> waking up every half hour, running to the toilet. And then uh, this morning, I was feeling pretty good, but I took the day off, day off thinking I was going to be able to like catch up on my sleep. Um, but then I decided to uh, do a load of laundry first. So I go down, we have a basement, and I go down to the basement, and the laundry room smells a little musty. So I open uh-uh. the door to where the water heater is, and there's all this rusted water everywhere. And I push my thumb into the drywall. My thumb goes right into the drywall, and the guest room's on the other side of that. So I had to call oh. the insurance companies and all this. So $2,500 later, that's my deductible for my home insurance. We're going to get this resolved. So, we'll, you know, they're going to be tearing out drywall, repainting, retexturing, and all that good stuff. But we caught it early, not it didn't like seep out into the main basement area and have to replace carpet and all that stuff. Oh, that sounds awful. But it's a good thing you were. It's a good thing you got sick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's one. Yeah, sure. If there's one positive. Sure, that's that's the way to look at it. <laughs> well, George, joining I, us today is uh, a guest, and uh, so this will be our positive for the for the evening. Our guest is no stranger to designer toys. He opened Southern California's first designer toy store in 2003 in historic Chinatown, L.A., and then later opened a sister location on Melrose. He has helped to produce toys with many familiar names, even giving popular artists like Luke Chu and Amanda Vizel her, their first production toys. Uh, he's the founder and president of Monkey King. Let's welcome Patrick Lamb to the show. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks for having me, guys. And that was just an amazing intro. Like the whole toilet bowel movement, <laughs> rusty water thing. Does that happen to every guest? No, not every guest. <laughs> you get a special story. That was very interesting. I was fascinated by it. But thanks for having me. You're welcome. I was a little worried that George, George was just, he literally just got home, long drive in LA to home, the studio city where he lives. And uh, my stomach's been a little off and on. I actually ate real food for the first time. So it's good that I have George as a backup just in case I have a, a moment of urgency. <laughs> real food? For, what do you usually eat, Gary? Like, what is real food? What is, what's your usual <laughs> diet? Uh, my diet that. sucks. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but so yesterday I ate the chibichanga and then I didn't eat anything all night. I pretty much didn't eat anything all day. I had a little sips of ginger ale throughout the day. I had a, I had a banana in the morning. 
And then around 4 o'clock today, I decided to try uh, two eggs and some toast. And uh, all seems good. Yeah, that, that Arizona cuisine, I mean, that sounds boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, this is all home cooked stuff. You know, we don't have, we're not fancy okay. like you LA guys getting your avocado and all your fancy salads and stuff. <laughs> California in and that burger. <laughs> so, Patrick. No, the Cali burger. The Go Cali ahead. burger? So, Patrick, I did some studying up on you. You attended USC. You got your um, Master of Fine Arts in filmography. Is it filmography or film? I never know what to say, so I'll say film. Uh, film, uh, emphasis on directing. Okay. Uh, they, they divide it up into different specialties, and that okay. was my thing. Okay, so you got your MFA in directing, and then prior to that, you were studying in economics and business management. So I'm curious, you know, with your education and background, how is it that – you got involved or wanted to get involved with the desire toy scene and eventually start a store and grow a business purely by accident. I mean, it's, it's been a weird journey. It's like, I, I don't, I never planned on being a, a toy maker or a toy producer. I never had any interest. Uh, I mean, I collected your usuals, you know, star Wars, um, like any normal kid, but, um, I, I opened up the location in Chinatown not as a toy store, but as a as a production company and a location for a film that I was doing. And the film, no, like as most independent films uh, will 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 happen to, is uh, yeah, my funding disappeared, and the landlord's like, "Yo, you're sitting in the middle of most touristy part of Chinatown, and you're papering up the windows." And I go in there, and it's like you and a couch and like a card table. And a computer. I mean, you can't do this anymore. And I'm like, no, you know, because I still had this fantasy of making my first feature. And I was like, I'm going to open, and I pulled this out of my ass, I'm going to open a toy store. <laughs> Did you know anything about toys? I mean, besides the Star Wars I talked about and anime. I mean, that's why I went home and I started Googling shit. Like, you know, this is an 03, so, you know, what was it? I was like using Firefox or something like AOL. <laughs> I was right. using AOL. Dial up. There you go. And, you know, I found uh, anime and I was like, ah, you know, it's kind of boring. I mean, and then I found Kid Robot site. And I was like, fuck, you know, what is this? And I discovered designer toys. And I started stocking this, uh, this the, the bottom level with, with, uh, with toys. It made it into, you know, something cool. Like, it was Chinatown, designer toy temple, you know, let's, let's, let's go full Asian with it, right? Okay. So upstairs was my um, office and production company, and the thing was a front, right? I planned on making this film and then just having this toy store in name. But then, like, people started coming, and they were like, wow, you know, I only, I've only seen this stuff online, and it's so great to be able to, like, touch it, you know, just see it in person. And then I realized, wait, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the first designer toy store here mm-hmm. because – Artists started coming and bringing me shit. Like, I didn't know who Tim Biscuit was, but he rolled up and he, like, gave me a bunch of helpers out of the back of his car and wow. said, hey, will you put this in? And, like, you know, Brandon Monroe would, you know, skate in. Like, he lived in, like, Silver Lake back in the day, and he'd have these, like, wooden sours. And he's like, oh, hey, how much do you think you can sell this for? I'm like, I don't know, like, 100 bucks. So, like, you know, we put that out there, and soon... I stopped going upstairs. I started hiring people, and just it took over my life. <laughs> and uh, we started having shows and parties, and it was a lot of fun. And and then you know the rest is you know you said some of it in the beginning. I 
we we opened up Melrose because we wanted to to have a higher presence and kind of bring like Chinatown is is light years away for people living in LA. Like some people can live in LA all their lives and never go to Chinatown. Yep. So we're like, hey, we got to kind of you know this. There's a demand for this, so we opened up Melrose and we had a gallery and we started to do shows and then uh, we started to produce and then um, that's all we do now. Retail is unfortunately dead, except for the people who buy wholesale from us. Retail is not dead, but for us, retail is just like a like an albatross around our neck because my pleasure in the business is producing shit and working with artists, making toys with them and making our own stuff. Yeah. So we became a studio, and here we are today. So. Now, you decided to close down the retail locations. Man, is it really 2012? That sounds too long ago. Um, I think so. It is, it's a long time because we, we were in like Jefferson. We were in the hood like for like two years in a studio, and now we're on uh, – I love this place. It's, um, it's on Pico near Fairfax, kind of a, like a co-design space where – you know, we have 3D equipment and we have like scanners and shit that artists can come and and use. You know, and you know, all we ask is we, we just exchange knowledge. Like, you know, an animator might come and say, "Hey, I got this idea for a toy. I want to print it out." And I say, "Yeah, come in." But you got to kind of teach us like how to use. Okay, so you know. so you created like a creative space, like a like a design community or like a maker's lab where people have like workstations and like you said, 3D prototyping, maybe like laser machines and stuff that people can use. Yeah, working more and more towards building building more services. I mean, we just had a big event with Form Labs where we did um like a like a summit where they explained you know talked about three D printing and entertainment and how to use three D printing in mass production. So we held like two nights of that with you know 150 people and so yeah, people like people in the industry would come in and, and talk to people who were interested in three D printing and it was it was great. It was like a new community that. We otherwise wouldn't have been able to to reach out to if it was a store or like a studio in the hood. Um, this is uh, this space has been really nice to us. So now, how does that work? Do you make money off of that, or people pay like a membership fee, or how does that work? We rent it out. We rent out creative offices, okay. and uh, we have we've had several events where people rent out the gallery upstairs. Uh, we recently did Taste of the Orient. Um, by that fucker Jerry, and it's like a kaiju show. Paul Kaiju was there, and uh, he had a bunch of pieces. And people come and they raffle for the opportunity to buy these things. So, okay, it's a crazy community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is to say the least. Um, when you decided to close down the retail locations, I never heard like what was the uh, the reason behind that. Was it just you know designer toys had slowed down that was you know retail just didn't make sense in your high rent space, or do you just want to focus on production at that time? I mean, once my lease was up, I was out of there. It's, it was draining. Like Melrose is expensive. Yeah. And, you know, we 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 were we were we were very happy to be there when Designer Toys was at its heyday, and we had you know lines around the block. We would think it was you know supreme now. Like we had people line up for Possess. We had people line up for Buff Monster. And yeah, I heard for the Possession show, there was like 3,000 people that just waited overnight for the opening, and there was like 6,000 people online trying to purchase Possessed, and I mean, that's crazy. That's like, I mean, that's like you said, that's kind of like Supreme type you know, events. The glory days. 
Yeah. <laughs> we always talk about the, the glory days, and it's hard to explain <laughs> to the new people the kind of shift that's kind of happened after around 2009, I think. Right. I mean, it's cycles, right? It, it, it's bound to happen, so. Yeah. You just have to evolve. I mean, now we're... We have this. We have the co-design space, and we have um, moving into animation, which now kind of brings me to back full circle to where I started. And that's that was my passion to begin with, and now I can work with artists that I've developed relationships with through the years, right? And be in a better place to to pursue um, the moving arts. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about your animation for a second, then. So, I think it was around July last year you guys were doing a Kickstarter campaign to do. Uh, produce some animated shorts uh, based on the works of uh, Luke Chill. It was called Grief Encounters, and you guys fully funded. I think you raised about one hundred and forty thousand dollars for that. So that's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you, thank you. That was, I mean, I've never done a Kickstarter before, and I think we offered some really good perks. And Luke was very generous with stuff that he was offering, like mm-hmm. commissions and and everything. And the rest, half of it, goes to animation and. I think it's uh, we're working with Tiny Giants, who I met Stu Gamble through Melrose. He just walked in one day and said, "Hey, I'm looking for artists. I'm an animator from London," and we just struck it, you know, hit it off. Like the shorts, one of several projects that is one of the projects that's percolated to where people can see that we're doing something on. Like we've been developing other stuff, so I started working with Stu as a writing partner and a directing partner. Okay. So I mean, it's animation's a tough game. You go into the room, you pitch projects, and uh, hope something happens. So we've had stuff in development that uh, is still in development. Okay. But um, yeah, the short is happening, and uh, then some. We have a couple other shorts in production too. So sweet. And with the grief encounters fully funding on Kickstarter about August of last year, how's that project going for you? We are at the three D stage right now. Okay. What originally started as like a series of shorts like his paintings basically animated like his luke's paintings always have a they have a narrative right um you see a moment in time in this narrative and we're like hey what's the beginning and the end of this so my vision for grief encounters was kind of i was i i was in i went to school in berkeley and i kind of grew up on spike and mike's you know animation fest uh-huh. and my favorite was uh, like plimptoons Bill Plimpton series of shorts where, you know, that's like first kiss and it's like six seconds of like the sketch where, you know, there's two people kissing and it just gets all fucking trippy and shit. Yeah. I mean, the same idea was going to apply to, to Luke's where we animate every painting. Uh, it'll be like a header, you know, possessed and then we show possessed or target, you know, and we say, you know, we had the bear walk in and there's a, a, a little narrative that we tell. But it's it's evolved from that into uh, a piece about I won't give away the storyline, but it's become three D, and it's become like one short. Okay, I love that this kind of came like you mentioned full circle. You know, you got your MFA in directing, and then you meet Luke True by starting up the toy business, and now you guys are working on animation together. And are you in the director's chair for these animations? Um, producing on some, writing on some, and directing on some. So okay. I mean, it's gotten me back into it, which is. I don't know. It's karma. Whatever you want to call it. Right? Karma sounds good. <laughs> so you're talking about producing, and you know, we mentioned that you have produced a bunch of toys with a, a bunch of different artists, but your very first one, coincidentally, was also with Luke Chu. Was I believe it was his first production toy and your first production toy, was it not? It was The Possessed. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was uh, it, that thing took freaking forever to make, too. I was like... I think that, that thing took two years. 
I bet. Because we, we didn't know jack shit about making toys. We were like, <laughs> okay, I guess you got to sculpt it. And, you know, we, we sculpted it. And we got pretty far. And then I was just looking at it like, you know what? This, this isn't it. And we can't come out. I mean, I, I hide. The, I still have the original sculpt. And it's hidden in my underwear drawer. <laughs> Nobody will ever see it. Yeah. And we're like, I just pulled the plug on it. And then we just started from scratch. And, you know, it turned out well. It turned out great. I, thank you. But the re-release is so much better because, you know, I look at it and there's, me and Luke look at it and there's like so many mistakes, like things that we wish we could have done, wish we kn- knew to do. And yeah. uh, I think we fixed it. You know, I think the new Possessed, the 10th anniversary version is how we've always envisioned it. That's good to hear because, I mean, you're, this was your first one. So although don't, don't beat yourself up too much about little mistakes made in your first toy. But, I mean, all you're also talking about, this is probably early 2000s where stores and producers and manufacturers, everyone was just super tight-lipped. Nobody wanted anyone else to have that same advantage they did. And, you know, if they worked hard to find the information of the factory, they didn't want to just easily give that up to someone. So everyone was tight-lipped. So it's, yeah. I think we're um, a little well, more involved. Uh, well, I, I, have to dis- I have to disagree with that because yeah. there were so many people in the community that helped me out. Jonathan, Kathy was great. Jim from Strange Co. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, he hooked me up with a lot of, you know, not only just people, you know, just teaching me about artists, like who who, who, they, who he likes. And uh, I learned a lot about the whole scene from him, too. So That's awesome. Love Jim. What up, Jim? <laughs> I hope you're listening. Where you at? The scene misses you. Yeah, we had an episode with Jim Crawford. Um I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, and he was great. He was talking about the the old days and how he got started. And it actually sounded like he was kind of running a front at first too with with his store before it became you know Strange Co. I think I think that's how all all of us started. Right, <laughs> Kid Robot too. Was a... Yeah, yeah. No, it was a MP3, right? Um, Paul Budden yeah. selling MP3 players. Yeah, it was something. It was like mini disco that Paul was running. It was like hacked selling hacked MP3 player or uh, mini disc players and. Um, Gregory Blom and Jim Crawford, they were, you know, before they started Strange Co., that's where they were working. And so they were working for Paul selling these things. And I think at some point they realized that the, the mini displays are going to become obsolete. So they're looking into other business ventures. And I think it was either Gregory or maybe Paul, maybe both of them. They were both kind of uh, starting to get into like the Hong Kong vinyl and importing it. And uh, so behind the front of Mini Disco, they were importing toys and starting to create uh, the kidrobot.com website and stuff. Uh, we're all doing other stuff and just you know designer toys just kind of took over our lives right yeah in a good way in a good way but how so you know you said this just you know becoming a retailer and a store and a producer it all just kind of happened by basically uh a missing hamps is that even a word a missing hamps no that's definitely not a word but i love that word now and that's going to be the next like sticker or t-shirt or something or trump tweet trump tweet (laughs) Yeah, well, basically, um, like out of desperation, you just started this business as a front. So, did you instantly become passionate about the toy scene, or did it take you a while, or what? You know, how did that work? No, oh, I mean, once once the the toys came in, I mean, I was surrounded by them, and through osmosis, I guess. I mean, you just start to develop a, an eye and a and a love for certain pieces and certain artists, and yeah, it was it was just, it was just natural. Now, being in L.A., you, you had your fair share of celebrities coming in and out of the stores. I think Nathan was on last episode, and he was talking about he met um, Robin Williams at your, your – I think it was your Melrose location when he was doing a signing there for his Monkey King toy. Oh, my God. That's right. I totally forgot about that. 
Was, How do you forget about that? One of the greatest yeah, comedians of all time. Very, very bad memory. <laughs> yeah, he came in. Uh, another uh, notable is uh, Ice T. Oh, really? Uh, Coco, and uh, yeah, we we used to have a giant key that people would sign. We still have it, but you know, people would sign if they came in. You know, artists would do doodles and stuff like that. Prominently displayed as iced teas. Now, would uh, they leave with toys, or would they just come in and browse around? I think I sold them a Mr. Cartoon. Okay. And uh, Pharrell shot a video there. And that I know. Was, I know Pharrell's a big time collector. He's got, from what I hear, he's got a really big collection. Yeah. Seth Rogen used to buy weed next door and come in. <laughs> <laughs> Before you could buy weed, I think he was just buy bang bongs right next door to the smoke shop and yeah he was a fan <laughs> i had one of i don't know if this is true or not but one of my pieces from one of your shows that i did for one of your shows on melrose sold to the old spice guy <laughs> oh my god really yeah that's what i was told at least I don't, I don't i never met him or anything i wasn't there when it sold but i uh, i was told that he that it was uh sold to the old spice guy oh that's wonderful what was the so piece I, uh, it was one for one of Cooper's uh, birthday shows. I think it was a. It was I did like a Street Fighter three o'clock high mashup painting. Oh wow, Cooper show man, those bring back memories. <laughs> <laughs> did he have like a birthday had, event there? Yeah, he had two birthday events at my place. He would pack the place more than any show that I ever did. I mean, he wow. he always he packed it. Like he was for anyone who doesn't know. I mean, Cooper is. He's just a big collector, but he's a very young guy. I think his birthday show was how old was he? Like eleven or twelve? Yeah, I that? think he was like eleven or something like that during one of them. <laughs> and then he had the last. Had he had the last show before you closed the the, uh, the store too. I think. Yeah, I think that was his fifteenth birthday. For you guys know, who don't know Super Cooper, he's. I mean, he's integral to the scene. He was. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's moved on. He's grown up. But back in the day, he would. Every artist knew Cooper, you know. Yeah. His book was signed by everyone, and he just, you respected Cooper's opinion. He's a very, he, he is a very amazing guy, an amazing artist. Now, he, check out his Instagram, Super Cooper, yeah. and uh, he, he posts some great stuff. Now, speaking of which, I'm going through the Monkey King Instagram account right now, and are you sure this is the Monkey King account because it looks like Luke Chu's account? Oh. Uh, there's also, no, you're, you're, that's Come not, on now. That's not a diss or a slam, but there's you're you're working on a lot of stuff with Luke Chu. Yes, we have worked with a lot with Luke Chu, um, <laughs> and because we started like like we started with Possessed, and we just developed a great relationship, and you know he trusts me. You know, I think that by now, I think I can get his stuff right, mm-hmm. and I know what he likes, and I, learned, and I know how he works, and. You know, we're like brothers, so, and it's you know, we have other partnerships going, and that's no, you you've worked with a bunch of other artists too. Like one of your more recent toys is um, the Messenger, and you know, so right now everyone knows there's a bunch of social different social movements going on from Me Too to gun reform and Black Lives Matter, and it seems like Monkey King is very proactive for social change. So recently, you produced the Messenger. Uh, which is inspired by Colin Kaepernick's stand for change and taking a knee at, uh, during the national anthems of NFL games. And so what does it mean to you to produce toys that have such a strong message behind them? Um, 
Wow, that's too deep. I mean, yeah, it's it's it conjures up a lot of feelings for me. I I I did the messenger in response to my nephew who passed away because of an incident with the police, and you know, at, at the time I felt you know really powerless. It's hard to go when it's your word against the man. Who do you think usually wins, right? It's it's like I, I felt like I needed some kind of outlet for it. And right then, around that time, is when Colin took the knee. So kind of things clicked. And then I was like, well, you know, who who would be perfect for this project? Because I was thinking, well, it should be, I want it to be kind of cubist, you know, kind of sculptural. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want an action figure, right? I I want something that kind of creates like an iconic image around his protest. And I immediately thought of Kano. And um, he he stepped up. He's like, yo, you know, I know I'm going to catch heat for this shit, but fuck him, you know? Let's, you know? <laughs> that sounds like Kano. Yeah, he's like, let's shake things up. And uh, we worked together on getting the design and our 3D sculptor um, did an amazing job. Uh, I, I, I don't know if he wants me to name him because unfortunately a lot of people don't agree with what we're doing. Some artists don't want to, you know, some other artists that we've talked to besides Kano, like, yo, you know, I, I agree with you, but my audience might not appreciate me taking a stance. Really? Respect that. You know, I can totally respect that, you know? Sure. But fucking, you know, Kano's audience, shit, check his feed. You know, he gets more love on his fucking Instagram for the messenger than we do on ours. <laughs> Obviously, awesome. our I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of what art is about, is taking a stance, though? I mean, that's it's that's kind of what it should be. I'm, and I got to say, this piece is, is gorgeous. Like, I, I can't wait to get one and put it on my shelf, and I'm definitely buying this piece. It's... It's so, I mean, the sculpture for whoever, for the guy that did it, if he listens to this, amazing job because he may not want to be named, but he really should. He should be proud of that piece because it's, it looks incredible. Like you were talking about the angles and everything. The angles on this piece are so nice and the line work is so beautiful on the sculpt that it's just like this guy, this should be on this guy's front page of his portfolio. Like even if he's afraid of the message, like this thing is amazing. So he should Wild definitely choice. stand up, and he should definitely stand up and take credit for this because yeah. it's it's really nice. Yeah, the sculptor's great. It wouldn't have been as great without Kano's design. Um, oh, did I just give Kano a freaking compliment? Damn it! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's total total joke, people. Kano knows what's up. Um, but yeah, no, great design work by Kano. Amazing sculpting job. And it turned out really great, Patrick. And it was, is it my right that it's also being produced in two mediums, right? So the, the first edition was a like a clear resin, and now it's also being produced in vinyl? Yes, um, we did. Uh, uh, before before uh, I go into that, all proceeds go to charity on this piece. I mean, we're not here to make money off of, you know, his protest. That's just not why happen so yeah anything anything we make goes to know your rights camp which is the charity that cap uh set up so that you know the youth can come and kind of learn what are their rights and what to do in case of a situation where they're stopped and how to avoid you know being dead 
So okay. it goes to them. And um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Uh, well, I guess the new question was, did you actually work with Kaepernick on this? Was he involved at all? Uh, we are talking to him and trying to work out the specifics of how he can get behind the piece because he, he, he likes the way, to, he, he, he loves the way it turns out. He thinks it's done very tastefully. Mm-hmm. And, um, which, you know, that's just, I mean, those words mean a lot, you know, to me. Yeah. But how do you do it in a way that doesn't make it look like he's commercializing it? So right. I think we'll be working more toward with his charity, you know, and, you know, once Cap starts help tweeting out like, hey, you know, thank you from Know Your Rights Camp. Uh, this is, you know, for your support. You know, and we want to give it to other people out there who have, taken a stance and mentioned Kaepernick and said, you know what, you got, you got to stand by this brother because he's doing the right thing, you know? So, yeah. so yeah, we did ones in resin. That's, that was what we were talking about. Uh, we did ones in resin and vinyl. The resin ones are, um, they're a one piece pool. So it's, you know, crystal clear. There's no kind of joints inside it. And it just, I mean, I, I love it. And that sells for uh 200 and you know, that's, That'll make a nice trophy for like, you know, a kid t- attending Know Your Rights Camp, and mm-hmm. um, that's what it's going for. I like the way that you use the marketing on your Instagram account. How you use the figure actually for like the recent uh, March for Our Lives event out there in LA, and just you're kind of just using his um, his stance just for social change in general. And I like the way that you've applied that to uh, your marketing campaign for the figure. Thank you, thank you. It's I mean that's the idea, like. To get these in people's hands and put it out there in a, you know, in front of a situation, let's just say, like, you put it, you know, in front of a protest march or in front of a strike, you know, I mean, just to kind of use this as an iconic image, something to add to your Instagram that kind of ties all these images together. Uh, And hopefully we created a symbol for Cap that. You know, you put his in, you put his face out there, and people are gonna like, oh, I hate that guy, you know, or I love that guy, you know. Right. He might be a Cowboys fan, and it's like, oh, I can't, I like what he's saying, but he's fucking, you know, I hate the Niners, and like that gets in the way. But if we can kind of distill his image into this form, and people can use that as a form of protest, I mean, that's right. That's the goal, and I mean, my vision would be like, hey, you know, maybe there's a Black Lives Matter march and there's like a giant balloon version of it you know floating yeah, above, awesome. yeah. you know and sitting outside the white house i mean that's 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 dreaming but we'll, well see i think it's awesome because i think you know a lot of people will you know skirt around hot topics and try to avoid anything that's controversial and you're not shying away from it you're kind of hitting it right uh straight on and and then one thing that i really appreciate about it is you know the design work and the marketing everything that you've done for it has been classically done um even the design work it's just it's just evoking. Thank you. Thank you. And what we're, I mean, I'm, let me speak to our, our customers and our collectors. Like, I know a lot of you guys don't agree with what I'm saying, which is why we're creating truthtopower.com. And that's truth-to-power.com. That's a fucking mouthful, but that's all they had. <laughs> <laughs> or Truth to Power Art will, will, will actually get there, too. It's for our, our nonprofit ventures and our social justice toys. And it helps us to get people to support the projects we're, we're producing and not feel like they're, you know, kind of supporting a company, you know, mm-hmm. like Monkey King. 
you know, we're doing this not to make money off of. So that's why, you know, we, we created an image for Never Again. It's like a, a knotted up AR-15. That's all. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. I mean, it's inspired by um, that big giant knotted 45 Magnum outside the UN that um, Yoko Ono commissioned when uh, le- after Lenin died. It's like a big revolver with a knot in its barrel, and we thought, okay. you know, this is a the AR is the new killer, so why not kind of reference that? And um, yeah, I mean, we made a T-shirts that we gave to kids that they went marching on City Hall here in Culver City and. They really enjoyed like being unified by an image. You know, mm-hmm. they're all wearing that symbol, the AR, and it, they felt like rather than trudging out to a field trip, that they're actually all part of something. And that's the whole idea behind the series is to create these images that kind of unify people's visions. I totally commend you on that because what you're doing, I mean, it's important, and um, it's great to hear that you're willing to use your voice. Thank you. Now, these are obviously designer toys, but I would imagine, you know, the message behind it is going to have a much broader reach and appeal than just the designer toy collectors out there. So have you noticed that it's reaching beyond the designer toy scene? It's trickling out. It's hard. You know, there's a lot of a lot of noise out there that you got to pierce through in social media. And sure. I think once we get caps uh, finalized and uh, have him help us in that regard, then, yeah, sky's the limit. So, you know, we'd like to make an animated piece on the Messenger, too, and that's one thing that we're developing. And, um, yeah, there you go. Great. <laughs> now, um, I guess, like, moving away from that, this weekend, or this past weekend, actually, there was three international toy focus conventions. There was ToyCon UK, and then there was two events in Shanghai. was the uh, Shanghai Toy Show, and uh, was the Wonder Festival is now in Shanghai, too. I think it's their first... Uh, Wonder Festival out there in Shanghai. Do you ever exhibit uh, internationally in any of these conventions? I know I've seen you all the time at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, right across from the WB booth. You're in the middle of the party, but in- internationally, what is kind of exposure is Monkey King getting? Um, right now, like zero. <laughs> we need to do that. We need to do that. It's like every year I'm, I'm like, God, you know, do we buy a new Mac or do we go to Shanghai? You know, it's 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 like sometimes we got to make tough choices and sure, but those are necessary because we do want to reach a wider audience. And I was thinking about doing Thailand. I would love to do Thailand. I hear that's amazing. I don't know how you decide which convention you do. I mean, the Shanghai toy show looked incredible. I mean, all I did was look at hashtags for that show and it seems like anybody who was anybody in Asia was there and all so many great releases, but I mean, even wonder festival kid robot had a setup there and, uh, ToyCon UK looks great. So, I mean, I've never been to an international convention, so it's definitely on my to-do list, you know, unless another water heater takes out more walls. <laughs> Have you guys gone to the Asian con? No, I've never been. George has been. George? Uh, I went to one uh, Wonderfest in Japan, and that was cool. That convention was so big, it's like it, you anything you're into, it's there. And there's like a whole section of it. Yeah, I'm sold. It, it was, right. I mean, Wonder Wonderfest was one of the coolest and it's all, it, it all seems like it's, it's almost like a, the decon vibe where it's like all these people who are just making their own things. But then it's like, just, it, it, it's insane. I don't know. It's, it's weird because like all these people are making their own things, but they're not just resin stuff. It's like production pieces. So right. it's, it's weird. Cause it's like actual toys, but homemade by people. 
and I don't know how they, I don't know how they all do it. And some of it's got, they have licenses, like individual people have licenses, licensed stuff. And it's like, and they're legit licensed stuff. They're not like, you know, bootleg things. They have but different, like different rules size over there. Like five or 10. Or... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, you got to get there super early because everybody knows exactly what they want. And by the time you get to that booth as like an outsider, you're just like, oh, all your stuff is gone. <laughs> Hey, we'll be there next year. Yeah, I heard people for the Shanghai Toy Show were just uh, waiting for that show for like five days. Like they would go in and they'd rotate back out. And uh, I mean, you look at the pictures that people have been posting online. It just seems like it's just shoulder to shoulder people. And it's everything from cute toys to super like creepy and weird, overly detailed stuff. I mean, it's anything and everything. But have you noticed any since you've been in this doing this since 2003, what's the biggest change that you've seen or the biggest difference between American toy culture and like the Asian culture? I, I'm only exposed to the Asian stuff like on social media and online. Like the last time I was in Asia, like I'm walking around Hong Kong and, you know, there's not that much of a scene there, you know. It's like they collect hot toys and, you know, there's like one or three, two or three uh, retail shops. Okay. But I think this scene's really exploding in like you know Singapore and you know Shanghai and Korea and yeah, I, I definitely want to go check that out. You know, now that my kids are grown, maybe I'll go now. <laughs> yeah, kids can be a real weight, like an anchor sometimes, huh? Yeah, exactly. And you know the the American scene—I don't know. What's your guys' impression of it? I'd like to hear that. I mean, just from watching social media for the Asia convention the past couple of years, I mean, it really see, seems like there's a whole new insurgence, a resurgence. God, I can't. I'm just making up words. It's right definitely not insurgence. Insurgence. <laughs> 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 um, but it definitely seems like they are having one hell of a heyday going on. I mean, you're talking about what you experienced when you started out in 2003 to, you know, in you know, the early 2000s and you know, they had it before, you know, we took notice and now it really seems like they've taken over. I mean, like even George mentioned it, you know, they're doing small runs in vinyl, you know, five to 10 pieces in vinyl. And it seems like most of the American culture producers are, you know, when they're doing small runs, it's in resin. And I I don't know how to explain it, but there's so many artists out there that are extremely popular that we're really not that familiar with. But, you know, those artists and brands have lines wrapping around the convention center, constant sellouts, Lots of conventions. Um, yeah, so I don't know how to exactly explain it other than it seems like, you know, we've always kind of been a little on the stagnant to having moderate growth as of the past couple of years, but it seems like they are having rapid growth, um, extreme popularity. And really, it's, it's kind of their heyday right now. Right, right, right. It's, it's tough for me to look at that because, like, I look at it and I'm like, man, you know, I want to do that. I want to do that. It's like, it's better for me when I just turn that stuff off and just focus on what we're doing and maybe just do our own thing and maybe our brand of the new direction we're taking, we can bring more politically charged toys that speak to like the Asian experience out there. I mean, there's a lot of fucked up shit going on out there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sure you'll see something from us that might address that, you know? Yeah. George, do you see any difference between the American culture and toys in Asia? What's going on now? 
Oh man, I I don't really pay attention to anything right now. I have, <laughs> I have, I'm so out of. I I don't even know what's going on in the U.S. culture. Are you kidding me? Like I don't know what's even going on. I didn't even know that Patrick had a freaking Form Labs Maker Maker Labs studio, and I live 13 minutes from it. Like yeah, how? Like you? I, you never got our. Oh man, you would have been I, perfect. I, I would have loved to have been there when 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 what was it you said Form Labs right when it came out yeah I would have yeah, loved to have been there I'm on there yeah it's, that's so cool I, and I, yeah I mean I, I now it makes me want to get over there and see what you got going on because that's such a cool space like that sounds like so amazing this is why we have you on the show George because I think if you weren't on this show you would have no idea what's going on in toys. <laughs> oh, believe me, if I wasn't on this show, I would I would never know anything about anything. Yeah, this is the only thing keeping me tangentially connected at all. Is tangentially a word? Yes. Okay. It's you that makes up all the words here. True. I got I got a Monkey King memory from way back. You guys, Monkey King is the one that did the twenty inch uh, Matt L show, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was, I, that that, I mean, that's like one of the big dollars. shows back in the day. Like one of the, one of the biggest, like, I, I mean, that's, that kind of like started all those like custom shows for all, for all these people. I mean, you see something like that and everybody started doing things like that. Like Monkey King really like just went above and beyond with that party and that opening and everything. It was amazing. Oh God, you bring it all back. Yep. We had like there was a freaking ice sculpture. Yeah, it was when Weedy Wheat was around. Um, yep. And uh, we had a, two other galleries involved too, were to house some of those giant, the twenty-inch metal. And they, those were amazing. I we, we should have done a book on that. Hmm. I mean, you so, still could if you had any pictures, because that yeah, that yeah. I think people still love that that shape. They do. Yeah, man. Jer- Jeremy Maddell killed it with that. Yeah, we don't see uh, too many works by Jeremy as far as designer toys anymore. I think he's doing uh, main, like mainstream toy design and stuff. He's doing real toys. Doing real toys. And yeah. actually making money. <laughs> a real job. All right, let's take a break and mention some of our awesome sponsors. If you're looking for some designer toys to purchase, we've got some great stores for you. Check out 3DRetro.com and StrangeCatToys.com. Uh, if you go to Strange Cat Toys, you'll receive 10% off if you use promo code DOPE at checkout. Um, and if you're looking for some awesome designer toy news, we've got two awesome blogs to check out, SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. And uh, Toy Chronicle also has a sweet app, so search Toy Chronicle on the Apple Store or Google Play uh, and give that a download. Oh, I bet you all are missing Teresa's voice, huh? <laughs> Well, so this week, uh, so the, you know, uh, Patrick, there's a company called Super Plastic is starting up, and uh, May 15th is their big release date, their first release, and actually this week they showed the first reveals of their janky platform. Um, so we're, yeah. we were talking about you know American cultures and toys, so it looks like we're going to have another uh, American producer popping up, and this one's actually headed up by uh, Paul Budnitz, the founder of Kid Robot, and uh, Hucky, who... Um, many thought was kind of going into like a, like a retirement from toys, but they're both back and they're making a comeback with this janky platform. Have you seen it? Yeah, he had that freaking farewell letter, right? He did have a farewell letter. Uh, he had a farewell letter. I read the whole <laughs> thing. The thing was like three pages long. It was long. I read every it was a, word of it. Yeah. Did you read, didn't you read the last page where it said, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> April Fool's. 
I mean, at the time, I was like wondering why, you know, his stuff is amazing. And I love the Janky. I mean, I think it captures his, uh, his, his figures that he's been making customs of, right? Like yeah. low-run editions of. That has always should have been a big thing. So I'm glad to see um, it getting out there. And, you know, much, much luck to him and Paul. Yeah, I hope to have uh, Paul and Huck on uh, soon to talk about what, all that they go, have going on. And I want to know, like, how soon after he wrote the farewell letter did all this start taking off? Because we all know how long it takes to get toys produced and stuff. So I would feel like within a month or two, they, they probably got in contact with each other and decided and started talking about, you know, making super plastic. Probably that night, Paul was probably like, what the fuck? You know? What are you doing? Probably like, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, Fine, you know, let's do something then. You know, Huck's always yeah. been really open about the mistakes he made, and, you know, he was living in a very high-rent district in San Francisco, and he had extremely high expectations for himself and his toys, and so he never took any shortcuts. I mean, everything was – and that's one reason that, you know, Kid Robot can no longer produce his Gold Life series. It's just, it's just far too expensive, and I think that's kind of the hole that Huck put himself into, even though he had – his popular collectors and he can, you know, release his runs of editions of 10 and they will instantly sell out as far as like the mass produced stuff. I just don't think that he could make that type of overhead work out. And eventually he just had to, you know, shutter his doors. Yeah. But I mean, he's so talented, man. I mean, he should have his own fucking animated show. I mean, those, those figures are amazing. Those characters are amazing. So it's good to see them come to life. Well, he had um, actually for the even Super Plastic, they're developing. Uh, they're not just doing toys; they're doing games as well. So I saw a uh, a live Instagram feed actually today. What was showing the um, some play action of a janky game? Oh, that's so, awesome! Yeah, so it seems like they got several things in the works. So anyway, I just yeah. I just wish they didn't call it Janky Toy because there's already a guy called Janky Toys. Like, do just research it just a little bit, like. <laughs> Just, I mean, if you just type in Janky Toys in Google, Janky Toys comes up. It's all his stuff. Like, he's been making stuff for years. Like, just call oh, it something man. different. Just I call it something so different. <laughs> I'm going to Google that right now. He's the guy that does all the uh, the Severed Limbs series of bootleg stuff. Like, just, just call it something different. There's already Janky Toys. He's already got the yeah. name. I mean, is it different yeah. that it's just the name of their platform, though? Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna try and Google Jan- like you you hear True. oh it's janky toys and you're gonna never you're not gonna find it. Yeah. Oh, uh, you just got buried. <laughs> I'm sad for you, man. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the platform, I, I like the proportions of it. I think it has a good feel, good shapes. Uh, no doubt, it's definitely Huck's design. Uh, yeah. I'm more interested in seeing what the designers do with it. I think a lot of people would probably say this is not a platform just because. It's so well defined. It's pretty detailed. Yeah. What would you guys do to it? What would you do to it? I don't know. I mean, right now I feel like I'd have to design some sort of fox or cat character or something like that. And I was gonna say it looks like Tails from Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I've heard people say it looks like Sonic. So it's one of those things where you don't want to do the obvious. You definitely want to approach it in a different way yeah. and try to make it something other than what it looks like. So I'm really curious. I think there's 16 or 18 artists in it upcoming artist series for this toy uh you know maybe in a blind box series i have no idea but so i'm curious to see what they did with this platform now i can't unsee sonic when you said that 
Well, Google Google Tails Sonic the Hedgehog and look at the I character. Can't, I know. I, I, I can't I can't unsee it now. Every time it's I tails. see it, I see Sonic now. It's Tails. But what, with a paint app on it, it's not going to be Tails. No, I mean it's even gold. That picture is gold, so it like it's even more tails than it than it should be. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna be diplomatic about it. <laughs> I don't have to be. I've been you I've been I've been mouthing off for twelve years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what their intentions are for this. I don't know if it's gonna be a DIY platform that they hope to get in the hands of customizers and let them run with it. I and mean, what we do know is it's gonna be. I think 16 or 18 different artists applying their designs to this for, I think, either a series or maybe a blind box series. But we're still not even sure. But um, So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. But as far as it being a platform, I, mean, I, I think it, it definitely is. It has some defined forms, but it still also has great shapes and enough smooth surfaces mm-hmm. to be a good platformer to use. But then there's also like the shoes. It actually has laces and um, a sole and all that to work with. So in a way, you know, the shoes, I think, are a little bit restricting because no matter what you create, it's going to be something wearing shoes, a bear wearing shoes or a character wearing shoes. So, you know, that might be a tough workaround for some people. But everyone is different with this sort of stuff. Some people like the defined stuff. Some people like the more organic shapes to work with. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. And then save this for maybe they're going to come out with that. I mean, maybe they want to start off with a strong Huck presence and then come out with their version of a dunny. Yeah, true. Well, Monkey King, you guys had designed a DIY toy, a platform toy. It was called Omi. Yeah. And uh, how was that experience? I mean, is it difficult to get people to embrace a new DIY toy? It is. Yeah, I got the I was like, we got to do a platform because everybody's doing a platform. And, you know, we, of course, we thought about monkeys, but come on, those, those have been done to death. But um, our, our logo is a mask. And... So we did a platform based on Chinese opera masks or Japanese no masks that are, you know, can be cats or bears or with a designer toy twist and kind of divide the system where you can hang it on the wall like a mask yeah. or uh, connect them together. And it's kind of like a weeble wobble. You know, it's it's tough man. it, it got it, hard, it was hard to get people to adopt. And we even went as far as like making these acrylic displays that you can put nine omis on and it's clear so you can put a background on it if you want so we had some great custom shows mm-hmm. like reactor 88 did a great one jerry you did a great one a lot of people did and you know we 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 had plans for licensing like we did a mock-up of an adventure time one but i think you have to have a very big marketing department to get a platform off the ground yeah and uh just didn't have that you know we didn't have a big enough push behind it so you know it's sold out it's it's gone it's done i'm proud of it it's like the very first toy that i designed myself oh, really? and um so yeah you know i of course you know i work with great sculptors and illustrators so yeah it was my baby so <laughs> it was tough when uh it was a baby i mean wood bear still sells them like hell i mean yeah wood bear Do you think it's just one of those things like with this designer toy scene, like, you know, everyone's familiar with the bear brick and a dunny and that's just kind of where the collector base tends to collect that stuff. And so it's just hard to, for customizer or whatever to then jump to a new platform and try to make that sell as well as what they know will sell because there's so many bear brick and dunny collectors out there already. I think for the platforms, people wanted figures. Okay. No, that was it. I think, we try to do a 3D piece of art that you can hang on a wall. Yeah. 
it just didn't fly, you know, people. Well, oh, it no. did. It sold out, but maybe it's just something that it, you just decided not to, you know, pursue the Adventure Time and other stuff with. Yeah, it, it just got hard. Yeah, no, I get that. I think it would be difficult to get a, a, a DOI figure up and running. Um, but you mentioned they were selling really well at uh, Whoop Bear. And so speaking of retail, we also learned this week that Road of Fuji out there in Chicago, they're going to be hosting a uh, pop-up Tokidoki event. And this is something they did last year and maybe previous years too, and it's always been a successful event for them. But what's different about this event this year is it's not just going to be a limited-time pop-up shop. It's actually going to be a permanent thing. And so Tokidoki is going to have a permanent place with inside the Road of Fuji store out there in Chicago. Uh, I think this is this is great. You know, Whitney and uh, Kirby of Rotofuji, they've always been really forthcoming about their struggles the past couple of years financially and, and personally. And uh, so I'm really excited for them. And this is a, a great partnership and a perfect fit. And anyone who's local to the area, you know, if you're a fan of designer toys or Tokidoki, you know, have a, a great location out there in Chicago to visit. Oh, wow. That's that's just news to me now. I mean, that's great, you know. Congratulations, guys. That's that's fantastic. That's huge. I know fucking having a gallery that size and yeah, such an amazing space. You know, I've yet to visit, but uh, I'm not in Chicago, but I think Roto Fugi's been like in a road of the scene. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And um, so, yeah, this is exciting. I know Tokidoki's, they've really exploded. They have, you know, retail shops in London. They just opened up two in China. And, you know, the Roto Fuji location is not going to be as big as those retail spaces, but I'm sure it's going to be a sizable space within Roto Fuji dedicated to only Tokidoki products. So if you're in the area, be sure to check it out. Definitely. Definitely. Didn't Tokidoki have a store here? Isn't there one on Melrose? On the high-end side of Melrose. I mean, they were... Yeah, west of Fairfax, and they were doing well. It was like next to Johnny Cupcakes, and yeah, is that still there or is that gone now? No, they're both gone. Oh, okay. Yeah, like that rent. That rent on Melrose has got to be insane. Yeah, how many three hundred dollar t shirts can you sell? You know, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of stores on Melrose too. So there was you, and then I think several blocks down the road there was the Kid Robot store, and then Toy Art Gallery opened there, and so I mean, this is. A very niche toy scene. It's, it's it's kind of pretty crazy to think that there are three you know designer toy locations on Melrose with you know probably the cost of rent there. Yeah, but I think we got in when it was cheaper before it blew up. Oh, that was so fun when Kid Robot was down the street and Tag was there. And you know, at first I was nervous because you know, we were the first ones there on Melrose, and then um, I bumped into Paul and he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm moving down the street." I'm like, "Ah." Oh. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck i just signed a lease on this thing and you know there you are but actually it was a it was a very symbiotic relationship you know guys would come in saying hey kid robot sent us over because uh you know yeah. they knew you had this and that and we do the same it was great it became a scene it became a community and uh it's kind of lacking now I mean, it's all online I remember the first time I went out there, I visited my friend Scott out there, and he took me around to Giant Robot, and then we hit Melrose, and we went to Kid Robot, and J- Japan, uh, was it Japan, L.A.? Japan, L.A.? Yes, yeah. Japan, yeah. L.A., and then we hit uh, your store. With Jamie. And what was really cool about the difference between, you know, having Kid Robot and um, Monkey King on the same, you know, kind of strip was, you know, Kid Robot primarily carried Kid Robot product in a, th- a, th- a th- you know, a sprinkling of third-party toy produced 
products, but and then you would hop over to your store and it was just anything and everything. And that's kind of so I could see that maybe you guys weren't in direct competition with each other in that regard. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I was stressing out for nothing, you know, and <laughs> you know, that's what experience tell, teaches you. You just you don't have to be, you know, competitors. You just play nice and respect each other. Yeah. No, if, any, if anything, it probably benefited both of you. You guys, like you said, you weren't in direct competition and probably helped each other out. You got, you know, someone like me who's coming from out of town and looking, we were just looking to hit all the designer toy stores in a couple of days. And it was really nice having you guys both kind of in the same strip and within walking distance of each other. And so we hit both of your stores uh, a few times, I think, on that day. So it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and then when Tag moved in, that was, that was gloves off. I'm looking at you, Gino. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Tag was great, too. I mean, Tag carried other stuff. They were heavy, Kaiju, and Gino's had some great big pieces. And, yeah, we're diverse enough in that people people could have fun walking up and down Melrose. Now, I, I never had the pleasure of experiencing uh, Toy Art Gallery out there. Was it – I got the feeling it wasn't open, like, on a daily basis. It Was this like a place that you had to make an appointment for, or was it – a retail shop for only the, when they had events or, so, or something like that? No, it was open all the time. It was open all the time? Okay. Yeah. They just saw you coming, and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know. As, as an outsider just watching social media, it just seemed like it was primarily only popping when it was like an event was going on. And that was. I mean, when that's, when, that's when you would, you know, that's when you would head out there and talk about it, you yeah. know, because there's an event. But, like, it was a normal, it was a normal store with normal hours. Okay. Yeah, having like fucking forty dollar days, and you know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, yeah, weekdays. Who who's there? And it's tough to make that rent. So, yeah, it's that's a that's a tough scene. I'll tell you though, it was. It's amazing that we have such a small. Our scene is so small already, but yet three different stores within a few blocks of each other could exist and be completely different when you walk inside of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I liked our space a lot. It was like this this hallway, right? It's like so narrow, yeah. but I think these display cases, and yeah, I miss it. So I miss talking to people, you know, like on a daily basis. It's like seeing collectors and seeing what they like and just shooting the shit. Yeah, no, I, I bet don't you, get that yeah, I bet you had a unique perspective on that, seeing, you know, the buyers and collectors coming in on a daily basis and not daily basis, but you know when they did come on, you got you got a good feel for them, and you know that's one reason we wanted to start the podcast here because you know I'm not out there in L.A. or New York, and I don't have a whole lot of like close personal friends that collect, so I don't get to talk to really people about this. You know, I would go to the you know the blogs and you know and search things through social media, but as far as talking, I don't I don't really get to do that. So this is my out to, to do that. So yeah, if if I didn't have that, I would probably miss it, and I would be out of touch. Not as bad as George, but I'd be out of touch. Like they hear, hear a human voice. I mean, our interactions with people are like, like hate comments on our fucking <laughs> Instagram. You know? Yeah. So you don't get people in and out of the Maker's Lab or anything like that on a daily basis. Um. Not. No. Not on a daily basis. Just people working. Yeah. You know. Like. So. But we'd love to see more collectors and fans and artists. Yeah. But we do have events, so you know, sign up for our. Instagram and uh, stay tuned. Yeah, George. Is that George. is that the best place to know to learn about the events? Is Instagram because my Instagram never tells me anything I want to know. <laughs> Dude, we got Instagram, Facebook. I mean, George, it's not that hard. 
<laughs> what about a what about a uh, an email on your website or something? Can I sign up for that? Yeah, but we don't. We're too lazy to fucking send out newsletters. That nobody ever. <laughs> See, opens them. how do, do I, you, how am I gonna find do out you about ever this open stuff? Newsletters? Uh, you don't open newsletters. That's the only way I know anything. Really? I yeah. Ben, listen. I, I'm I'm friends with Ben. I hang out with him on a regular basis from 3D Retro, and he'll tell he'll tell me like. Hey, are you coming to the event Friday? And I'm like, what event? He's like, it's on Facebook. I invited you. I'm like, dude, I haven't seen it. And I won't even know the event is happening the the week it's happening because I don't just I don't see those things. At 3D Retro, it's all beginning to make more sense okay. while you're no longer on behind the counter, George. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Patrick, what else? What what does uh, Monkey King have in the works? Like, is there anything that you could tell us? Any leaks and sneaks or anything like that you can tell us that's going on with the future? Um, our next drop should be uh, Possessed coming at the end of this month. Wow! And uh, Superstar Destroyer is uh, is hopefully going to be ready by Comic Con. Okay, and then. Um, some more stuff that, you know, too early to talk about. Those two things. Keep an eye out. Okay. No, those are great releases. And then we'll say hush-hush on the other stuff. You know, Patrick, you're talking about every year you go to you know San Diego Comic-Con. And I one thing that I can relate to Monkey King was the parties that you would have at the Basic Bar. You would have live painting. You know, artists would be doing there, uh, live paintings there. and Just epic parties from right here. I'm, I'm a party pussy, so I don't really attend pussy. Uh, not Wow. <laughs> a ten wow. pussy party? Is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> no, that's, you're... <laughs> that's that's definitely how it came out. But no, I I I am just I'm just a party pussy. I've never enjoyed the nightclub setting, going to bars. My friends would go, and I just wanted no part of. It. I just I don't like that loud indoor setting where you have to yell at each other to carry a conversation. I've never enjoyed it, and I've always kind of actually avoid it but you know i did attend a few of the basic party events and every year i would definitely make sure to at least swing by and peek over the railings and see who was in there and what was going on just so i could say that i you know had popped or you know made a not a made, made an appearance but just so i knew at least what was going on but anyway so how many years have you been hosting the monkey king event at the uh, basic bar in san diego uh we just had our 10th anniversary one so we yeah we've been doing this thing for ten years and Jeez. I mean every year we're like ah you know if we don't do it again it's not that big of a deal and then they call us up and go hey it's available and then we're like well you know we have to do it because like like you said people enjoy it and it's it's not a lot of work and Bar Basic is fantastic you know they treat us nice and uh, we bring them a ton of business and every year we I mean we used to try to imagine all kinds of events that can go on there like i think we had a carnival one day uh, one year like to release target and you can like throw darts and shit cool. i think we did like jim mafood and buff monster were painting painting models on top of the pool table <laughs> or, like we had a giant possessed and like three of them and they were custom or two of them when we were when we were actually producing the ten thousand or thousand percent possessed and, uh, yeah, they did some mashup on that. So, yeah, I mean, but I think the most memorable ones are just when we throw up boards and the artists just come up and just start jamming and, you know, step back and let it happen. Yeah. So that's been our recipe, and it's been working the last few ones. And, uh, yeah, like you said, we, we, we don't want, like, a huge 
crowd. We just want a mellow place for people to come and gather. And one of the few times that we're all together, you know, yeah, that's and true. talk and look at art and, you know, drink and eat pizza. So, yeah, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. 11. Okay, awesome. 11 here. I mean, it sounds yeah. really expensive to put those things together. I don't think – I don't recall you guys doing like a cover charge or anything to get in. Like how – how do you make money at i maybe it's not about money but what i don't know what i'm trying to get at but where why why do you waste all your money on a party yeah why why do it i mean i understand it's, it's about community and you're wanting to throw a party but it can't be cheap you know san diego comic-con is, is not a cheap place to throw a party well last year we uh we got the idea from from luke actually like because i've been taking taking the hit on it and like you'll figure well it's a community service and <laughs> oh, i just give back to like the people who spend all this money at my booth yeah not that much but it looks like hey why don't you just fucking auction the art off and pay for the party and you won't have to fucking pay out of pocket mm. and everybody's happy the artist makes money and uh we get to cover our costs so that's a great idea from now on, that's that's kind of how we're doing it so okay. yeah if, if you uh if you want a chance to snag some amazing pieces and we have a silent auction that we we're going to do this year, and you just uh, you know bid against each other for it. That's cool, George. Did you ever go yeah. to any of these basic bar parties? Uh, yeah, I've stopped in many a time. I'm I'm like you though. I'm not really into like yelling at my friend over really loud music. So I try. I usually leave pretty fast. Yeah. But uh, I always I always have to at least stop in to say hello because I love the I love to see the art that's going on live. That's always the best part. I also can't eat pizza, so it doesn't like. They have gluten free pizza now, George. Yeah, they have that. They have pesto sauce. I'm not partial to that. Eat that. <laughs> no. There's a canvas waiting for you. <laughs> sure. For whoever. Maybe. Do. No, like. Maybe. I'm a. Light paint? I'm a chicken shit when it comes to light painting. Oh, come on. <laughs> have you light You've live painted before, haven't you? Yeah, no, I have. I did one one year at uh, San Diego. I mean, uh, Designer Con one year, and I'm not much of a painter, so I went up there with you know no thought in my mind as to what I was going to do, and I just just started painting off the top of my head, and you no, know, it was horrible. I I have uh, actually PTSD from it. I think. Really noted. No, but... <laughs> well, I'll I'll get you I'll get you a, a bunch of drink tickets, and uh, we'll we'll talk then. <laughs> okay, that 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 might get me up there for sure. Um, but otherwise, I mean, the, I think the Designer Toy Awards, their their first uh, event was actually held at the Basic Bar in conjunction with you guys. And oh, yeah. I remember, you know, walking to that and uh, it was crazy. It was crazy packed. I think you guys actually overfilled capacity where the uh, the bouncers at the door were turning everybody away and not everybody got right. in. And yeah, that place was nuts that night. That was such a clusterfuck. Yeah. I mean, we just were totally unprepared for that. Like, we just learned, just keep it simple. Yeah. Um, a big event like that, it just kills the vibe, and people get mad at us, and, and it's not worth it. <laughs> no, so. that no, that sucks that you had to deal with that. And I, I remember people standing on the sidewalk complaining that they couldn't get in, and people were watching from the sidewalk, and you know artists couldn't get in to receive their awards and stuff. So you know that was a weird event, but uh, lessons learned, and that's definitely not the uh, the venue for Designer Toy Awards, but it's definitely the the event for Monkey King for sure. Come this year. It won't be like that. You know what? I don't think I'm able to make it to San Diego this year. My wife is uh, got a convention that same weekend. What convention? It's a teacher's convention. Uh, so I, I will be at home watching the kids. Maybe I can bring uh, them with me. 
Yeah, bring the kids. Bring the kids. A five-year-old and a three-year-old inside Basic Bar? Awesome. <laughs> I did. I'll, I mean, they're fine. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I bring my kids. Maybe I'll do that. I miss San Diego. I didn't go. I don't think I went last year either. Uh, this is the first year since two thousand or since 1998 that I'm not going. Oh, you're killing me. Really? Yep. You're not going. I gave up the booth. I'm no longer going to San Diego Comic-Con. I feel wonderful. I'm going <laughs> to save myself like six grand. This is oh going to be beautiful. God. Wow. There it goes. First one. I got designer con. I don't need it. I don't need like I, nobody like nobody even need, like comes to my booth at Comic-Con because I, I don't do the thing where you have an exclusive that's only there because I don't want to alienate almost all of my anybody that bought stuff from me. Yeah. Because they're all online and they can't make it to Comic-Con because they can't afford, either afford to go or they can't get tickets. And right. it's just not fair to leave them out. So I don't do exclusives like that. And then I don't have anything that's superhero related or comic book related. You know, it's just it's I'm way too independent to be a Comic-Con. I've, I've realized that. Good. Yeah, you made that's... room for somebody else. There's a big waiting list for that place. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, let them let them do it. I've been going since since 1998 was my first San Diego Comic Con, and uh, I've I'm done. So now you can do those Asian conventions. Uh, or, uh, believe UK. me, I, I would love I'd love to do any of those ones in Japan again. But yeah, I should I should go to some other some of those other ones. I mean, for the amount of money you spend at San Diego, you could easily go to like two true two like Asian conventions. This is true, George. I mean, I wasn't kidding. I would lose, you know, it's an easy six grand out every year. Yeah, like between uh, everything, the hotel and the booth costs and all that. Between the booth. I mean, the booth alone is $2,300. Yeah. 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 God. What about you, Patrick? Are you still sticking with San Diego Comic-Con as an exhibitor? Man, it's so hard to walk away, you know? I mean, I've been at the same spot for like Yeah, you guys 12 have years, you know? great location. Like, yeah. Right. But I mean, yeah, like for us to go to Asia, maybe uh, I don't know. We'll have to think about. It. We'll see how this year goes. Is San Diego always really? Is it always really good for you guys? It's been. I mean, we we more than break even, so okay. I mean, it makes it worth it. Yeah. Um, it's not like Decon where fuck it's in your backyard, which I'm sad about. Fucking no more no more Pasadena. What's up, Ben? <laughs> well, George, you were just at WonderCon. Is that the same? Is that where DesignerCon is going to be in that same convention center? You think I went to WonderCon? Come on, you've gone to WonderCon <laughs> the past. <laughs> of course, I think you I'm, went there. Oh. I'm done. I'm done with those stupid things. Is it the Motu PowerCon that you go to? That's the one, right? Oh, I'll definitely be at PowerCon for sure. Um, no, I just I didn't actually I didn't go to WonderCon because I had to work that weekend, but. Uh, or norm- normally I would have went, but um, yeah, that is it's the same building but not the same room. Oh, okay. Uh, that's one of the misconceptions people are having. They're like, "It's going to be huge in there. How are they going to fill that?" It's not the same room. It's a, it's a, it's the downstairs hall. It's, it's bigger than Pasadena, but it's not the giant WonderCon room. Does it have that plush carpeting with the nice low lights that we're always in? <laughs> That's just the no, one tiny room of, of Decon. Come on. Dude, that was the best room in Decon. That was amazing. We had a corner booth. Oh, it was like being in like an old hotel. It was like being in the Overlook. 
you know, it was, it was great. It was it was a cool room. It was a cool room. But it's also that's also part of the problem I think with Pasadena was like it had like three distinctly different rooms right. with different feelings and it like kind of disjointed the whole thing. I'm hoping this kind of brings it all together as one one show, you know. Dude, it's Anaheim. <laughs> I know it's far. It's far for us guys in LA, that's for sure. We always like driving out Anaheim. to that's going to be like, Ugh. oh wow. Come on. Dude, you don't understand traffic. <laughs> then just get a hotel room in, in uh, Anaheim for the weekend. Yeah, now the show that used to be a cool local show just started costing money. Where? There you go. <laughs> Where? Where? You local, you spoiled local people. We were so spoiled with Designer Con in Pasadena, I'm telling you. Oh, it's so good. You forget something? Oh, it's only 20 minutes away. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You just run home for it. Good. I'm, now I'm happy that it's in Anaheim. You, you spoiled babies. <laughs> good. All right. Well, that was fun. I had fun talking with you, Patrick. Yeah. We never actually met or talked before. Thanks so for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, look, like I... I look forward to all your future releases, and uh, maybe I'll see Thank you at San Diego this year. Are you going to Five Points? I might send some. I'm not sure. Yeah. Not me personally. All right. Should All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks oh, wait. Having... Before you leave, uh, why don't you take a brief moment and just let where uh, our listeners oh. know where they can find you. Website is monkeyking.com, and that's M-U-N-K-Y king.com, and uh, truthtopowerart.com, and our uh, tag is uh, monkeykingtoys on Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. All right. Thanks again for joining, Patrick. Have a good night. All right. Have a good one. George, did you end up going to the uh, Star Wars virtual reality thing? No. We All right. So here's what happened. This was a super bummer. Um, I went to buy the tickets because, you know, it was like a couple days ahead of time. And I went online and almost all the time slots were taken already. Uh, and I was like, all right, there's a time slot that I can make work. It's like 45 minutes after we get out of our bowling night that we were supposed to be doing down there. I, I was like, everybody won't mind because we'll be wanting to go to dinner anyway or something. So we'll just wait, you know, while they're getting in line for dinner, a couple of us will go over to this thing. Okay. So I go on the website. I click the, I click the available uh, spot to buy tickets, put in all my information, sign up for the thing. It's a whole process. And then I click, you know, I'm buying four tickets for all of us that are going to go in. And it says, sorry, there's only one ticket left for that time slot. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell? So now you can't figure out if there's even a ticket for a time until you click through to buy it. Oh, what a pain in the ass. So then I just said, screw it. And I'll just, we'll go another time. So now you won't go until designer con. So now I'll never go. (laughs) Because you said how far of a drive is Anaheim from you? 40 minutes? Well, you know what I did while I was on the website though, I found out that there's an, there's one closer here. Oh. Perfect. There's another, I didn't even know that it was like a franchise like that where there's, so I guess there's like four of them in Southern California and there's actually one closer to us here. Nice. So I may end up going to one over here instead of down in Anaheim. Yeah, that one will probably be less busy not being located near Disneyland and all that stuff. Hopefully, but I don't know, dude. I think this thing is really big. Like I think this, like when we went and walked by it, because, you know, we were down in downtown Disney anyway, we walked by the place. There was a line down the, like down the block. Jesus. Like, yeah, it was... It was pretty crazy. Like it's, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty popular attraction. I was talking to Scott about it because he had been, and he said it's better than anything in the park. Oh wow, that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, his whole thing was he he just said 
it's exactly what we wanted virtual reality to be when we were little. It's what we thought virtual reality would be when we were little. That's saying a lot. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still super excited to see it. Um, we will eventually make a trip to go, but we just, we haven't done it yet. Jessica just got here. Jess, get on here. That's sad. Oh. That's not sad. No, no. We, we had a guest, Patrick Lamb. He was just on. No, he was. Are you guys still recording? We're still recording. Uh, so when are we getting you a segment, Jess? Uh, right now. Right now. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> it's gonna be the void segment. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm show you a but I was just telling him also uh, back on the void thing is um, a mall near us also just got yeah, just its own it. void like in the mall. Okay. That's what George was just talking Wait, about. What do you mean? You know about the Glendale one? Yeah, I just told them. I found out before. All right, day. George. Why do you invite <laughs> me in and not tell me anything? Oh. All right. Here's the first game. It's going to be. I'm going to show her a picture of a new toy that's coming out, and she's going to tell us what she thinks of it. And it's something we just talked about on the you show. Guys already talked about so it? it's current, and we'll just get your opinion on it. Okay. Like the 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 opinion no one will care about, yeah, but it's the outsider's it's, opinion. That's all what the right, the segment's going to be called the outsider's opinion with Jessica. <laughs> Off the cuff, here we go. Uh, well, I can I make my own a uh, theme song to it. Sure, you want to do it now? Yeah. Like you know, it'll be like on yeah. Kevin and Bean where I get my own little intro. Yeah, if you want to do it, go ahead. Oh, right now. <laughs> I said right. make one. Ready? Yeah. So the figure is. And this is the super plastic, janky figure. Janky, signed and numbered. This is it the, looks like um, this is the, the Hedgehog. <laughs> is that what you guys said? Uh, it's been mentioned. So it's been. We talked about that. Really? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> You're not original at all, Jess. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. Okay. All right. That was it. I don't know what to say about it. Like, is it, is it metal? Is I mean, it really just, plastic? I would assume it's just gold-plated plastic. I think. I would think so. I mean, this is. I mean, obviously, this isn't a fair one to really start with. I just wanted yeah. to see what her opinion was, just because. Just because we just talked about it. It's okay. I think it's a great segment because I work with coworkers who are not into designer toys, and they would see me going through the toy blogs every once in a while, and their reactions to probably ninety-eight percent of the toys are hilarious like they just don't get it makes no sense to them who would buy that who would spend their money to make that like just all sorts of great stuff and then there's like the two percent where they're like oh that's really cool i like that see i feel like that would have been me maybe a year and a half ago i I would have had the same reaction but now that like i've been with george and i've seen it now i'm all saturated and i'll be like that sculpt and paint job is horrible Like, I know things now, and it's not... Ah, see? I know. All right, so now let's now let's do... Uh, we just had Patrick on from Monkey King. Um, Hi, Patrick. This is, Bye, one of, Patrick. this is one of Patrick's newest toys. Oh. So we're going to see what you think of Patrick's new The Messenger. I love it. You haven't even seen it yet. I haven't even seen the picture yet. <laughs> but he was the guest. But he's not on right now. All right, okay, okay. so here, what do you think of this one? Okay. Oh, this one. I like it. It looks like um Kano. It is Kano. Damn, Jess, you know your stuff. <laughs> I know. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, I'm learning things. Jesus. Um, I mean, I, 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 oh, I like the clear. The clear is so cool. Except for the side, the base looks a little weird. Like the nose looks a little. On the clear one? Yeah. Yeah. I like it looks a little weird. I like the black. I feel like I really like this. I just wonder if the people in your scene are uh, are are gonna accept it. Are on that political stance? Oh, there definitely are some. Uh, I think it's gonna reach. I think, think it's gonna reach beyond our toy scene, though. I think it's yeah. It's um. I like that there's a toy company willing to take the chance and you know, put out something like this that kind of does have a message and a statement behind it. Yeah. Like something that actually matters. Yeah. He also said the sales, the sales are going to go to the Colin Kaepernick, uh, whatever the foundation was that he started Aww, for this. That's so nice. So yeah, it's really cool. I wish I had something to do with it. Cause I'd put my name all over this thing. This thing's the sculpt cool. is so cool. Well, I'll get you George. I'll get you a gold marker and you can put your name all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't want to deface it. I just want to have it. <laughs> Uh, no, and I don't. I just don't even understand what. Like, I guess I can just I can take political things out of it. Like, I don't need to. I don't need to see it as a political piece for me to like the piece I'm looking at. I guess. Right. I like it. I like. I like all. I like. I like the clear a lot, but I like the black because you can really see the detail of it on this. And I like that you can see that it's Kano because I like Kano's work. Yeah. Shout out to your boy Kano. I like that they're actually donating the proceeds. Yeah. Like, I really hope that it sells out for that, for that fact. Yeah. And especially for all, like, this, like, if he is getting as much slack as he's saying for producing a toy like that, then, then I hope it sells out. Fuck them all. <laughs> hashtag fuck them all. <laughs> don't, don't hashtag that. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> Um, we also, uh, Jessica wasn't here earlier, but we also do need to talk about Gary's new word that he invented, missing hamps. It's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about We need to make it a thing. I need a picture of Gary's face with the word missing hamps underneath it. I think I had a couple new words this episode. Sent, use it in a sentence. Did you, it was something like, were there any missing hamps when you had the gallery space? And <laughs> no, was... I, I think it was something like, okay, let's do this one. Like, um, purely by missing hamps. Patrick opened the first designer toy store in LA. I feel like you're just like trying to say like you missed the Hamptons. <laughs> no. Like I'm was... missing the Hamptons. No, I no. missed the Hamptons. No, I was trying no, I was trying to say something like he he started the, the, the toy store just out of desperation. He had to do by, it by chance yeah. or something. Yeah, like, it, it kind of I don't know what I'm talking about. Missing Hamptons is my favorite. <laughs> I had another word. What was that one, George? I think I like it just because of how much George is enjoying it. <laughs> well, you did like, say... If you could see his pure pleasure on his face every time you say it, it's just... That's, that's what I'm here for, to bring George joy. The, the other word was insurgents, but you it's... didn't make up that word. It was just used incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> and I do that all the time. And it was closely followed up by another word of explore explosions. So I don't think insurgents and explosions <laughs> were what you were talking about. No, but that, that definitely was not a topic we should have been talking about. You guys are a mess. <laughs> Hashtag missing hamps. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, go back to the toy. Okay, go back. Okay, Jess, I got something to show you. I want to get your reaction on. All right. Here we go. I'm going to send it to I'm George ready. now. I'm scared, but I'm ready. 
The suspense is killing me. All right. Uh-huh. And it's on Smacky stuff. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Are you three? So this is called the Banalian. Is a figure by uh, being produced <laughs> by Toy Cube. And it's a open banana being peeled, and out instead of a banana inside, it's the alien. A dick? No, it's the alien. Oh, from oh, it's an alien. I'm sorry, I thought you said dick. No, and this is it a real like thing. It looks like a dick with teeth. <laughs> no, this is a real, you know, from the movie Aliens coming out of the banana. And this, yeah. they decided to show this on April Fools, so I totally thought this was an April Fools joke. And then I saw it pop up again, like later in the week on the toy blogs, and yeah, this is a real thing. What do you think, Jess? <laughs> George, what do you think? It looks like a dick with teeth. <laughs> I don't know how many dicks you've seen, but that 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 is frightening. That like that it, like I I get it. Like I get the like you know the alien part, but why with a fucking banana? Like what's the? Here's the here's the tie-in. B A N A. Alien. Banalian. Banalian. <laughs> really? That's it. There's people like to take two words that have a similar letter and they mash them together and do, they make things. You could do vanillian and like be have it be coming out of a vanilla plant. It's vanilla that's the plant? next. That's the next one. The van, the vanillian bean. <laughs> Is this a crossover that works for you, George? It's uh, not even the same. Like, if it was white, like, maybe, but it's, like, a black, like, it's black coming out of a banana. You know what? Like, make it white, and then it look like a banana. You know what? I would have liked that if they did it that way. You're right. Because this just looked like a creepy dick. (laughs) I'm sorry to say dick so much, but... I think you're enjoying it. I don't get to say it that much. (laughs) I will 100% like the, is this is this vinyl or is this a resin huh? thing? Um, if this is if this is vinyl, I mean it's toy cube, so I'm going to assume it's vinyl. I would buy this 100%. But no, it's vinyl. You're buying this? I'm sure I won't have the opportunity. I'm sure it'll be sold out or whatever. But like, no. I w- I would 100% buy that. No. I you saw the banana toy I bought at Decon this past year? It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, but... with like one foot coming out. Like... Yeah, but that's that's like. Um, Japanese vinyl. This is just a weird alien. Like it's not. It doesn't even make sense. Banalian. George also likes penis toys or things that kind of look like penis toys. So I kind of do, and I like banana things. I like banana toys. It looks. It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. This is make it white, and I would have been like, okay, like whatever, like it makes sense, (laughs) but it. I I gotta go. This is... <laughs> Anyone who's not familiar, we are talking about the Banalian 10-inch vinyl toy being produced by Toy Cube. The designer was Paul Jackson. So search it up, or we'll have a link to it in our show notes. Tell Paul Jackson to make it white, and then I want um, a little bit of uh, credit for that. You're welcome. <laughs> or people will buy it. Because it will make sense. This is like saying... The, because just because B and A and N, yeah, B A N, so you can make a banalian, banana alien, banalian, <laughs> banalian, whalian. Right. Now we're gonna have whales. 
Whaleians would be so good. Whaleians. We need to make whaleian pins. Can we make whaleians? Anything. Like, (laughs) you can make anything with aliens. I actually like whaleians. I think whaleians would be so good. (laughs) I gotta stop giving you guys ideas. I want, like, (laughs) what's the thing where you get, like, money for, like, your ideas? Like, um, he has a patch. There's a vanillian patch. There's stickers. <laughs> I gotta go. Just too much for you. Too too much excitement. It doesn't make sense. It's just like you know, this guy was like high, maybe watching Aliens, eating the banana, and he was just a little bit too high on the good stuff, and he was just like, but an alien yeah. nailed it. How good is this gonna be? And he actually got someone to produce it for him, which is like even more crazy. Yeah, it is. It is pretty weird. Look at he was high. Look at he literally sculpted it out of a banana. This guy was so high when he thought of this idea. <laughs> that's somebody else. That's somebody else's banalian. Okay, well that from person... 2014. Somebody did a banalian in 2014. What are, you, are you guys just Google searching banalian? I I looked out on Instagram hashtag banalian. Oh okay. And someone sculpted an alien head oh, in a banana. Yeah, I see that. That's amazing. Somebody, is it? That's better than the banana. I, dude, I don't even know how you sculpt out of banana. I don't know either. The literal ban- banana <laughs> alien. <laughs> I like that one. Jess, Jess, I love when you come on. You're like this burst of comedic energy when you come on. You just like revive the ending of the show. You're gonna be our closer, and I want. And I like this new segment too. I love it. It's it's uh, you can be like our outsider correspondent perspective. All right. We'll throw we'll just throw <laughs> stuff at you. See if it sticks. I'm the closer. You're the closer. And if it sticks, we'll keep you in. If it sucks, I'll cut you out. I hope it doesn't suck. Got any tea for us? Any tea? Huh? Any tea? <laughs> Um, Cardi B's album just dropped today and it already went gold and it is so legit. Dude, I have no clue what you're talking about. Well, I don't know what else you want me to say. That's the only tea I have. <laughs> no toy tea? I have some, but I don't know if I can actually say Oh, it. you're the worst. I know. I'm sorry. That was the after, after the podcast when it's off recording story. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up and I'll, I'm going to drink some of your tea. Okay. George, where can people find you? At Double G Toys on Instagram, and I still don't have a website yet because I'm terrible. And, uh, I do have some nerd pins up on Etsy if you want to look for my little George Etsy shop. Is that what it's called? The little George Etsy shop? <laughs> yeah, it is actually. <laughs> because I started it for, I was going to make a little George. Uh, I have, I have a couple. Shade. Hey, I have some, uh, I had some little George pins made years ago. And I had some stickers left over that I found, so I put them up on Etsy. But then I was like, you know what? I don't have anything else Little George, so I'm going to start this into my Double G Toys Etsy shop. Okay. But for right now, I'm just keeping the Little George name on there because I like it. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully Teresa will be back next week. Um, otherwise, I am Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. We do this every week, not because we have to. But because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye.